You're listening to a Fat Cat Media Podcast. If you love caravanning, four-wheel driving, fishing, camping, gold detecting, exploring places, history and visiting destinations all rolled into each episode, welcome to the Road Less Travel Podcast, a podcast that documents and captures the Australian spirit of travel, discovery and adventure. And each week you can join myself where together we'll experience adventures all around Australia with glimpses into a world that's faded into history. The people, the places, the way of life. This is the Road Less Travelled. This is The Road Less Travelled, presented by Nikki Shea. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's edition of The Road Less Travelled podcast. Nikki Shea back in the driver's seat. Welcome along. If you're a seasoned listener, then welcome back to the show. And if you're just joining us for the very first time, welcome along. For the next little while, we'll be talking about some fantastic destinations and trips that we've done uh, over the last few uh, weeks and months. And I must say, where we are right now, it is stinking hot. Behind me, you'll hear the fan going and you'll hear poor Rocco uh, struggling to uh, to get cool. So all is good as we're here on the road less travelled. You can follow the show, of course, on social media. You can follow us too on our YouTube page. And you simply search for the Road Less Travel podcast for Facebook and on Instagram as well. And you can keep up to date with what we're doing on our social media platforms and for further information on what we do with the show and a little bit more about Fat Cat Media simply visit the website which is fatcatmedia.com.au you can throw me an email whenever you choose to do so by emailing fatcat that's p-h-a-t-c-a-t fatcat at iinet.net.au or you can shoot me an sms or Give me a phone call on 042-752-8467. Please keep that feedback coming in. It really uh, inspires us to keep going with the projects that we've got and plenty of great projects coming up on the road less travelled. So this week we're back in the Kimberley of northwestern Western Australia, the northwest of Australia rather, and in northern WA of course, the Kimberleys. And when they say uh, don't go to the Kimberleys in October, November, December, listen to them because, oh my word, it is freaking hot. We were actually talking to you from Lake Argyle, and we'll get to uh, Lake Argyle in just a moment, but a lot of people have been asking, as I said before, you can hear Rocco, Rocco being our dog, in the background panting, and a lot of people said, how are you going for travelling with a dog, and especially in sort of the more sort of wilderness areas, uh, national parks, conservation parks, and for us, if you're planning a trip um, to like the Kimberley or along the Gibb River Road with your dog, and you're not sure if you can or you want to take your dog, um, I've never mentioned it or advertised it elsewhere, but we've put together a little guidebook, I guess you could say, for dog owners, and that is what we've come together with, what we see on Facebook. There's a couple of Facebook groups as well, and uh, it's it's pretty much will tell you everything you need to know to decide if you want to visit with your dog or if you'd rather go somewhere more dog-friendly. And I'm afraid that the Kimberley in general isn't the most dog-friendly destination in Australia. It's not that they've got anything against dogs, um, but they've got heaps of national parks and nature reserves and they've got many saltwater crocodiles too. And many other reasons why it can be a little bit more difficult to travel in the Kimberley with a dog. And usually a lot of emails that I get, can we visit the Kimberley with our dog? Can we take our dog along the gob... The- Gibb River Road, places like that. Well, of course you can. Why wouldn't you? But that's not the real question, is it? You're probably meant to ask more along the lines of, does it make sense for us to take our dog? Will we find accommodation? Uh, will we will we be welcome at campgrounds? Are there places that we'll miss out if we have a dog? Is it even worth it? 
Well, yes, it is. And you've probably had a hard time finding information too about dog-friendly accommodation in campgrounds. And I guess too, the reason for that is that there isn't a great deal of many places where dogs are welcome in the northwest of Australia. And why is that so? Well, especially along the Gibb River Road, there's very few places to camp or get accommodation to start with, whether you've got a dog or not. And I don't think that the percentage of dog-friendly places is any different to other areas in Australia. But again, there isn't much to choose from to start with and then if there's a number of those places that don't allow dogs then dog owners like us are left with very few options across the Kimberley and along the Gibb River Road uh, there are options and I want to cover some general issues that you also need to be aware of before you do take your dog into the Kimberley if you want to see the Kimberley and take your dog along your best bet is to camp rather than rely on accommodation now having said that more and more resorts, caravan parks, um, stations are starting to become more dog-friendly options. And most resorts and stations that do allow dogs only do allow them in campgrounds. Although having said that, there's more options now starting to come across as people are, not people, but businesses are realising that if they have the option of um, accommodating people with dogs, then it opens up another sphere of um, financial gain obviously for them and uh, it's just another option for travellers as well. Now dogs are not allowed in national parks and conservation areas, we know that. For example uh, the Punalulu, the Mitchell Falls, the Winjana Gorge, Tunnel Creek, uh, Geeky Gorge and Wolf Creek Crater, they are all in national parks and are therefore off limits to dogs. So are Mount Hart, Bell Gorge and Leonard Gorge all in the King Leopold Range Conservation Reserve. Mornington Wilderness Camp with Diamond Gorge and Sir John Gorge in the Mornington Wilderness Sanctuary and Charnley River Station, which is now managed as a wilderness sanctuary by the AWC, just like Mornington. Now, your dog must be used to being on a leash and being tied up for a lot of the time because it will be required to, to do that in many places. And also, too, another thing to consider is, is your dog used to cattle and wallabies and God knows what else is roaming around campsites too because your usually well-behaved dog may all of a sudden not be so well-behaved anymore and you won't be very popular if your dog protects everyone in the campground with incessant barking. And you may just cause another dog-friendly place to decide they've had enough and to ban dogs for good. Another thing, most of the year, anyway, it is bloody hot up here and if you're from the south, you may be used to leaving your dog in the car with the windows down or covered up for a bit while you go on a hike in a park. Don't count on that being an option. If you want to leave your dog with the car, you may need to tie it up outside. And probably too, one of the most important things to consider is baiting with 1080 is legal and it is common in WA. While birds of prey occasionally pick up these baits and they drop them from far away from their original location and many, many people after this way have lost dogs to 1080 poisoning, even inside or just out of towns. It is a dreadful, drawn-out, very painful death, so please watch your dog very, very carefully. Some people, like us, take a muzzle for that reason, for the dog, not for us. And certainly, last but not least, crocodiles love dogs. So you may need to be very, very careful near the coast or many rivers where crocodiles live. We always warn that if the crocodiles, uh, if you're there, crocodiles are there. They are, they won't be crocodile-free areas. They are there. Now, another thing to also consider as well, and now, now they're starting to, I had a, a look in one of our atlas that we use sometimes for checking out these pet-friendly caravan parks. They start to list, too, the local vets in the areas, too. And where we are in the Kununurra area, the Kimberley Vet Centre is open Monday to Friday, and the Kununurra Lakeside Caravan Park allows dogs, and the Kununurra Agricultural Society also offers short-term and some long-term sites 
for travellers with dogs too. At Lake, Lake Argyle, where we are, the resort Lake Argyle allows dogs in the campground. And if you want to do a cruise on the lake, you'll be happy to hear that the Lake Argyle cruises do dog sitting while you are out on your cruise too. Now, I guess to a true outback odyssey uh, on one of Australia's most unique four-wheel drive tracks when you turn off the bitumen and going over the range is on the Gibb River Road, which is really a truly unique Aussie outback adventure through the Kimberley's fast, really untouched wilderness. There's ancient gorges, um, it's just fantastic, epic cattle stations, and these are the sizes of small countries. It was originally constructed in the 1960s to transport cattle from the outlying stations to the ports of Derby and Wyndham at 660 kilometres, and it's a four-wheel drive trail. If you want to know more about that trip that we did, check out our journey on part one and part two of the Savannah Way. And we did that as I just look at my book. We did that on episode 26 and 27 of season two so check that out but what i wanted to talk to you about in this particular episode is about dogs and traveling with dogs on the gibb river road and along the gibb river road there are some communities and some stations where your dog is more than welcome and it's really not a big problem really to take your dog on the do- on the gibb i was going to say the dog river road on the gibb river road and the columba road road from west 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 to east you may miss out on a few places but birdwood station uh, birdwood down station it's very environmentally focused and it does not allow dogs winjana gorge and tunnel creek they are national parks so no dogs you can have these um from derby on a day trip or willing mostly a day of driving though leonard gorge mount hart wilderness lodge bell gorge and silent grove campground are all within the king leopold range conservation area and there's no dogs allowed the imaginy roadhouse has a caravan park that allows dogs so you can stay there to visit bell gorge on a day trip and mornington wilderness camp is within a wildlife sanctuary so no dogs sadly you will not be able to see this at all if you do travel with dogs and charnley river station is now also managed as a wildlife sanctuary so no dogs there's no camping at Adcock Gorge or Galvin's Gorge. Both of those are day-use areas only, but at both you can take your dogs for a swim. There are no crocodiles there. And Mount Barnett Manning Gorge allows dogs at the campground. That's a fantastic little camping area too. Now, camping is not allowed anymore at the Barnett River Gorge, but if you go there during your stay, you should be able to take your dog during the day. And Mount Elizabeth Station, they allow dogs at the campground, and grudgingly as they have their own working dogs because it can cause problems, but Always ask first and be respectful of their concerns. Allen Bray Station may let you stay with your dog if you ask very nicely, unless they don't have many other campers there, but don't count on it. Home Valley Station allows dogs in the campgrounds, and the beautiful Alquestro Station allows dogs at camp at campgrounds there too. Now, if you're going on the Columbaroo Road, the Drysdale River Station allows dogs in the campground. The Mitchell Falls are in the Mitchell River National Park, unfortunately no dogs. The King Edward River campsites are also inside the National Park, however they're not managed by the National Park Rangers but the local Indigenous Rangers. These these ranges have allowed dogs on occasion. Um, There was, uh, I believe, change to a strict no-dog policy, but again, that may be... um, bit of a grey area. Dogs are welcome at Columbaroo. Both campgrounds on the coast are happy to have them and that's it. There are official accommodation and campsites in the Kimberley that welcome dogs and if you plan to make use of any of the options don't contact the owners and the managers beforehand and places do have specific requirements or restrictions. There may be conditions attached. They may have changed their policy so don't just rock up. Get the current details from the horse's mouth first. If we've missed anything or things have changed please 
help everyone else by letting me know about it so we can update our little booklet and hope that help this has helped some of you and i hope that your dogs will absolutely enjoy it like uh, rocco has had an absolute ball up here at the kimberley we'll take a quick break on the road less travel when we come back we'll chat to you about where we are at kananara and lake argyle in the northwest of australia back with more in just a moment you're listening to the road less travel podcast Now, if, like us, you're heading to the eastern part of the Kimberleys on your travels, there's more to do than you can shake a stick at. And there's a fantastic list of top experiences in Kununurra and at Lake Argyle, and there's even more for you to discover for yourself like we did. Now, for Lake Argyle, and I'll get to a little bit about the history and all of that in a moment, you can dine under a starlit sky from a private lookout. You can queue an incredible sunset and it is just truly breathtaking with the glow of the lake's rugged red surrounds and you will wonder why you would ever choose to dine indoors again. The gourmet camp of an experience that combines local produce and bush tucker with creative flair. There is Ord River rum chocolate brownies, vanilla bean ice cream, salted caramel sauce and powdered boa. Nice. Now camping's always fun at Lake Argyle Resort but sometimes you just need a real bed with the comforts of home and that's where the lake view villas come in and did we mention that you have your very own uninterrupted view of one of the most beautiful vistas in the Kimberley that's where it is at Lake Argyle Resort now the naysayers said it was impossible to build an infinity pool on what appears to be on the edge of the rugged Kimberley itself and thank goodness Lake Argyle Resort's owner didn't listen and it's an attraction in itself you'll see plenty of Instagram photos of it and you'll have a pinch me moment as you submerge yourself in the pool's refreshing water and you gaze across this ancient landscape it is sensational you can also let your expert local guide show you the lake's highlights on a relaxing day cruise and you can explore the over 70 islands and sip a beverage on board or in the water as the sun goes down and if twitching is more your style you're in luck because there's 230 70 species of birds recorded in this region. Lake Argyle's bird watching tours won't disappoint, especially if you spot the rare Goulden finch. Well, it's a Gouldian from named after John Gould, the Gouldian finch. And you can have your James Bond moment and land on the immense Lake Argyle in a seaplane. It is absolutely sensational. Kimberley Air Tours takes it to the next level with sunset nibblies on one of the lake's secluded island beaches. They also offer a fantastic seaplane tour option and that flies you to the Bungle Bungles and Lake Argyle and both of those depart from Kununurra with the Bungle Bungle option also departing from Lake Argyle if there's a minimum of two people lucky for us there was and sure gazing out at the magnificent view of the lake and its picturesque surrounds will leave you gobsmacked but for a different water perspective, hire a paddleboard, a kayak or a boat. And if you're feeling social, grab the family or some friends and buddies and take one of the barbecue pontoons for a spin on the lake. No boat license is necessary. Now you've been wowed by the view of the lake. Now get yourself in it. It is as good as it looks and you'll see that on our Facebook pages as well. You can paddle out from the boat ramp or swim from your boat. Stroll the bush trail below the resort to access the lake and get that swimsuit wet. And if you're a serious swimmer, take it up a notch and enter the Lake Argyle Swim in May of 2023. You can try your hand at fishing. The lake's silver cobbler can reach up to an astounding 40 kilos. That's what I couldn't believe. Unbelievable. Fishing guides can lead you to where the fish are biting. They weren't biting for us. And to give you a fighting chance of a catch. 
You can also cycle like we did the moderate 5k Lake Argyle mountain bike track. When a mountain bike ride has lake views this stunning, it is absolutely sensational. It takes all your concentration really to focus on the trail ahead. And if you're ready for bigger challenges, you can swim, paddle, run and cycle your way to victory in the Lake Argyle Adventure Race, which is normally held in August of each year. You can then follow the network of bush walking trails which are adjacent to the Lake Argyle Resort. And here you can inhale the fragrance of the real Aussie bush, keep your eye out for the local wildlife and you can have bonus points too if you were lucky enough like us to spot the elusive echidna. And you can discover the region's past as you wander through the former home of the pioneering Durack family, which is transformed in the Argyle Homestead Museum, and that gives you a real insight into the area's social history of the 1800s. And to explore the lake from a different perspective altogether, underwater. If you plan your visit in October when visibility will be high, it's perfect for scuba diving tour, which you can do with Pilbara Dive and Tours. Whether you want to see school's official remnants of the original homestead site, which was submerged in the 1970s, there are dive tours for all interests and abilities. Now it's to Kununurra. Kununurra is a, a little bit of a jewel in the Kimberley area. Like, oh, this was something on my bucket list. Bag of, barramund- bag of barramundi. It was easier said than done, but if you tap in the knowledge of the local fishing guides, your odds increase substantially. And if the fish aren't just biting for you, then rest assured you'll find bar on the menu at most of Kununurra's cafes and restaurants. If you're stressed, you can head out for some float therapy in one of the local waterholes. Floating on your back, surrounded by nature, it soothes the soul. And while it can be tricky convincing a local to share their secret swimming spot, the Kununara Visitor Centre will help you find those spring-fed and seasonal gems and perhaps a fantastic waterfall too. And we did when we visited the Spring Creek waterhole just out of Kununara. You can sip a homegrown run at the Hoochery, which is refreshing, and this is no slick industrialised sort of distillery. It's brimming with character due to the founder's spikes, magpie nature. The corrugated iron interior, unquestionably, it radiates outback charm. But there's also their award-winning rums produced in the old-fashioned way that ultimately impresses, and their booze-filled desserts will also tempt you. Speaking of eating and drinking, you can taste the local produce, and Kununurra's mango smoothies are legendary. The fertile soil in the tropical climate up here makes Kununurra the ideal place to grow these juicy mangoes, sweet melons, and the ever-popular superfood chia seed. So if you like your chai, you know, all that chai stuff. With French cosmetic houses holding Kununurra's sandalwood in high regard, don't forget to try the local, the local sandalwood creams and soaps that are on offer. And you can grab, well, I must say too, when you're at the Hoochery in Kununurra, grab a tasting paddle, sensational. You can also wander the art galleries and meet the talented artists at work, inspired by and deeply to connected to the land. The local Aboriginal artists, they still use the traditional techniques and modern tools also to craft a very special piece of the East Kimberley for you to take home. And if you're pressed for time and not able to see the bungles this time around, well, this this will have you sorted. A mini version exists five minutes drive east of Kununurra at the Miramar National Park. Now, the changing light brings out those really rich Kimberley hues and you'll also you pretty much almost question whether or not you're indeed at the Bungle Bungles themselves. If you follow the signposted bush trails and the boardwalk or climb the stairs to the elevator platforms to get right amongst the layered rocky cliffs. And like us, if you wanted to see a crocodile or maybe a fish that oddly shoots out of the water to catch its insect prey, and if you're keen to see many boots, 
boobs, many birds that populate Kununurra. The Ord River is jam-packed with wildlife both in the water and on its banks. Cruise the waterways with a tour guide. Not only will their trained eyes seek out those camouflaged wildlife, but the guides also are geological geniuses. They're able to answer any questions on those imposing rock formations that line the river. And, of course, watching a stunning sunset from a cruise on Lake Kununurra is also a must-do. Now, we all know that the swagman can't buy a billabong, but how many Aussies have seen a billabong in real life? Crank up your waltzing Matilda, take the unsealed Parry Creek Road and discover Margaloo Billabong at Parry's Lagoon Nature Reserve. It's a tranquil little wetland and it's a haven for some 160 bird species. You can stroll the boardwalk there, find a comfy spot on the bird hide and see how many birds you can tick off your list. And if you want to stay a little bit longer, a combination both powered and unpowered sites are available at Kununurra. So that's just a little bit of the area. But what are we here for? We're here for Lake Argyle. Now, Kununurra forms the hub around the Ord River Irrigation Project, rather, and that's what it revolves around. Centred in the eastern Kimberley, the area not only provides incomparable tourist attractions, but a massive intensive agricultural development, which has been made possible by the construction of the two dams, being Lake Kununurra and, of course, Lake Argyle. At normal full supply, the level of the area of the lake formed by the Ord Dam is 980 square kilometres and it impounds 10.7 million megalitres or 8.6 million acre feet of water over 18 times the volume of water which is contained in Sydney Harbour. If the lake ever does flood to its maximum capacity then the volume will more than triple and Sydney Harbour could then be filled more than 70 times. It is a massive undertaking. You can see Lake uh, Lake, you can see Lake Argyle from space. Now it's on 13,000 hectares um, that's the present area under irrigation. The water used is 171,500 megalitres the ultimate irrigation area is 45,000 hectares. The potential water usage is over 587,000 megalitres a year. The population of the Ord Valley is around 6,000. The average annual rainfall, which mostly falls uh, November to March, that's why we're out of here very shortly, is 787 millimetres or 31 inches. The average annual evaporation is 2,700 millimetres. The average annual flow of the Ord River at the dam site is 4,400,000 megalitres and the total length of the Ord River is 650 kilometres. Interesting too that the catchment area of the Ord and the other rivers south of Lake Argyle is 46,200 square kilometres. Now completed in 1963 there's a Kununurra diversion dam and the length of the dam including the levees is 5Ks. The storage volume is 100 million, 100 million cubic metres and the distance from the main ore dam, which is what they call Lake Argyle, it's 55 kilometres downstream. Now, Ord River Dam was completed in 1971 and Lake Argyle was filled in 1974. The length at the crest, of, and this is sort of the dimensions, is 335 metres. The height from the riverbed, 98.5 metres. The volume of clay core, they say, is 243,000 cubic metres. So the full storage capacity and volume is 10,700,000 cubic metres. Unreal. The surface area at storage is 980 square kilometres, and the maximum flood level volume is huge. I can't even begin to comprehend that kind of... Um, the highest level to date 
was on the 7th of April 2011. It was 101.36 metres, and the lowest level um, was in 1991 when it was at 78.58 metres of Australian uh, height datum, they call them that. So Lake Argyll is WA's largest, and it's Australia's second largest freshwater man-made reservoir by volume. It's part of the Ord River Irrigation Scheme located near the East Kimberley town of Kununurra, and the lake flooded large parts of the Shire of Wyndham and East Kimberley on the Kimberley Plateau about 80 kilometres inland from the Joseph Bonaparte Gulf, which is close to the border with the Northern Territory. The primary inflow, of course, is the Ord River by the Bow River and many other smaller creeks also flow into the dam too. It is a heritage-listed wetland and Lake Argyle and Lake Kununurra were listed in the Ramsar Convention Protected Wetlands. The construction of the dam was completed in 1971. It was officially opened the following year. The dam wall is 335 metres long and 98 metres high and the earthfill-only dam wall at Lake Argyle, it's the most efficient, they say, dam in Australia. And that's because in terms of the ratio of the size of the dam wall to the amount of water stored. The lake was named after the property it partly submerged, which was Argyle Downs. Now, Ord River Dam Post Office opened on the 1st of March 1969 and it closed on the 15th of November 1971, demonstrating the approximate duration of the construction camp. In 1996, the spillway wall was raised by 6 metres, which doubled the dam's capacity, and sediment flowing into the dam caused concerns back in the mid-1990s that the dam's capacity could be dramatically reduced. By 2006, continual regeneration of the upper Ord catchment appeared to have reduced the amount of sediment inflow. And the dam too received a historic engineering marker from the Engineers Australia as part of the Engineering Heritage Recognition Program. Now, Lake Argyle, together with Lake Kununurra, is part of the Ord River Irrigation, and there are currently some 150 square kilometres of farmland which is under irrigation in this East Kimberley region. And the original plan was for the dam water to irrigate rice crops for export to China. However, these plans were scuttled as the waterfowl, particularly the magpie geese, they ate the rice shoots more quickly than they could be planted. And other crops, as we've already spoken about, are now grown. But Lake Argyle still remains Australia's most under utilised lake. The damming of the Ord River that caused major changes to the environment too. Flows to the Ord River have been severely reduced and within Lake Argyle itself a thriving new ecosystem has since developed and the lake is now recognised as a hugely important wetland area with Lake Kununurra forming the Lake Argyle and Kununurra Ramsar site. The lake is now home to over 26 species of native fish and a population of freshwater crocodiles, currently estimated at some 25,000. Fish species that are present at Lake Argyle include, of course, barramundi, southern Saratoga, the archerfish, uh, the mouth almighty, there's a long tom, bony brim and sleepy cod, while other official websites state that only incidentally a saltwater crocodile is found. Other experts disagree. Cane toads reached cane toads rather reached the dam in late 2008, mostly travelling along the Victoria Highway, with numbers rising significantly during the 2009 summer. Now, the installation of a hydroelectricity power station reduced the consumption of diesel fuel in the East Kimberley by what they estimate about 60 million litres per year. 
So as the East Kimberley region grew, so did the demand for electricity. So in 1996, the Ord Hydro Papyrus Limited, they constructed a 30 megawatt hydro power station, which provided a clean and renewable energy source. And the station is located at the base of the Ord River Dam. The power station was designed to utilise four turbines and two 15 megawatt generators to produce more than 220 gigawatt hours of electricity per annum. And the Ord Hydro now supplies a great source of renewable energy to the Argyle Village, Wyndham, Kununurra and the Argyle Diamond Mine. Now speaking of diamonds and geology, there's also something else that I was never ever knew before and called zebra stone and this is many of the landforms around and under lake argyle were originally formed over a billion years ago then approximately 350 million years ago there was a some sort of massive upheaval occurred creating the spectacular landscapes now seen around the lake this upheaval resulted in the halls creek fault which runs the length of lake argyle in a southwest to northeast direction on the eastern side of the lake amongst the black soil plains can be found these interesting limestone formations of agate which is semi-precious crystals, geodes, etc. And as you travel west, the open black uh, sort of soil plains begin to rise into a series of small hills, mostly composed of like a sedimentary shale, um, and they're interspersed with quartz outcrops, which got my intentions uh, well and truly on the, on the ball. I can give you the tip. On the western side of the lake is the massive Carboid Range, which rises up about 300 metres above the lake, and these ranges consist mainly of quartzite, sandstone, and shale. The area is rich in minerals with deposits of uranium, gold, copper and the richest deposits of diamonds in the world, which I did not know. Diamonds were first discovered in 1979 when geologists tracked the source of diamonds up the Ord River to Smoke Creek at the southwestern end of Lake Argyle. And when they finally arrived at the source of the diamonds, they realised that they discovered an enormous deposit now known as the Argyle Diamond Mine. It continues to be the largest producer of diamonds in the world by volume. And a large proportion of the stones that are extracted are of industrial quality, but the gems that are produced are renowned for their quality and colours, especially the very rich pink diamonds which can sell for over a million dollars per carat. The only known deposits of zebra stone in the world have been found near Kununurra in the East Kimberley. The deposits are formed in a small reef outcrop of stratified claystone or shale in the Ranford Formation and the age of zebra stone has been placed at 600 million years and it's a really very attractive fine grade sort of um, silica um, I don't, I, that's got a special name, but it's basically siltstone or claystone with sort of these little rhythmic, rhythmic sort of patterns of red bands or spots which contrast really sharply with a white background. And most sites uh, found to date are underneath Lake Gargoyle itself. And since the discovery of zebra stone in 1924, it has to this day remained a geological mystery that continues to baffle the scientists as how these really unique patterns formed in the stone. And zebra stone pieces and jewellery are available. You can see them at the Lake Argyle Store and Information Centre. But I guess the best way to discover this area is to come up here yourself. Jump onto the websites. There's um, lakeargyle.com.au. There's visitkununurra.com. And when you do get up here, make sure that you just immerse yourself in places like uh, Lake Argyle Cruises. There's Lake Argyle Adventures, the helicopter adventures as well. There's so much to see and do. So allow yourself a good couple of weeks. Base yourself, base yourself at Kununurra and um, you'll just will not regret it. 
it's time for us to get out of here because there's a big storm front coming and uh, we'll be heading southwards to avoid the uh, the torrential rains that are about to come in in November. Thanks so much for your company on this week's edition rather of The Road Less Travelled from Lake Argyle in the north of Australia, northwest of Western Australia. Make sure you do put it on your bucket list. Thanks so much for your company. It's been great to be part of your trip and I hope that if you've got something coming up that you're happy to share it with us, let us know. Drop us an email or an SMS and let me know what you your next adventure is or if you've just come back from a trip. My name is Nikki Shah. You've been listening to the Road Less Travel Podcast and I hope to catch you out there very soon on the road. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. The Road Less Travel is presented by Nikki Shea and produced by Fat Cat Media. 